Welcome to the Blackcast, a very special post-Oscars Blackcast. And by posting it on Monday, well, it's still Oscars Day because the damn awards show didn't end until after midnight. I am your Blackcast host, Christian Blatt, on Twitter, at ChristianDMZ, and the Blackcast itself, at Blackcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T, and of course, Blackcast.com. Joined to do a nice wrap-up here of these Academy Awards with... Christian Toto of Hollywood in Toto, HollywoodinToto.com, and I believe at Hollywood in Toto, T-O-T-O, on Twitter. Welcome back to the Blackcast, Christian. Thanks for having me. Is the show over? Because I'm, I'm not quite sure. No, I no, no. Is, but... I, think the, uh, I think that they're uh, about the halfway point. I think, oh. I think they realize they need to do another in memoriam. <laughs> Which, by the way, because I mentioned it, and for no other reason, I'll mention. I think that that uh, that was kind of cool. Dave Grohl playing Blackbird. You know, I mean, it's it's not what you usually get. You usually get, you know, some uh, some female s- single solo singer. You know, who does like I will remember you or something. And uh-huh. uh, I thought this was it was a very different approach, and I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, I did too. I think there's already uh, buzz about which. Stars were snubbed, which is a weird way to say snubbed in the in, the, in memoriam segment. But yeah, I agree. It was tasteful. It was elegant. It was low key, and it worked. Wait a minute. Who who was snubbed? But well, you can answer in a second. What I realized is I had kind of forgotten some of the people who'd passed away, and uh, mm-hmm. I was watching with my wife and her sister. And somehow, even though it was a month ago and it was a big deal, we both had forgotten. Al- we had all three of us had forgotten Alan Rickman. So there was like a collective like, oh yeah. No more Hans Gruber, you know? But uh, who who are some of the snubs that have uh, been mentioned? You know, I haven't dug into it. The one that came to mind that I believe was not mentioned was Abe Vigoda. That's a great point. I mean, he he was in The Godfather, for goodness sakes, you know? I mean, that that alone—it doesn't matter. I know a lot of people think of him as a TV actor, but— being in The Godfather kind of puts you ahead of a lot of people. And uh, yeah, is it is it Alec or Alex Rocco? He was also in The Godfather, and he was mentioned. He was mentioned. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, you know, <laughs> Mo Green had a lot more pull, I suppose. That's probably <laughs> that's what right. it had to do with. Well, anyway, let's uh, kind of uh, take the the broad strokes. Give us your thoughts overall on the show from an entertainment standpoint before we dive into the awards. Well, I think every year is way too long. It didn't feel like they stuffed this particular year with things that were clearly needed to get taken out. Some years there are too many dance numbers or so many productions, or you can just feel the filler. This didn't have that, which I, I give them credit for. But, of course, just the, the way the, the show is structured is just way too long. I have to say, going into the show, I thought, well, Chris Rock has got a tough situation. He, he has to acknowledge the Oscars so white. But at the same time, it is the Oscars, and he has to sort of celebrate Hollywood and the movies. And what, to me, he did was he did a lot of the, of the former and almost none of the latter. I just don't get it. I mean, you have to acknowledge it. It's the big conversation. I get that. You can make jokes about it. You can sort of kind of mention what's going on. But don't make the entire show about it. This is still Hollywood. This is still a night to celebrate the best of movies. And also, the people in that room, whatever you want to say about them, have worked their, their butts off for years for the chance to be a possible Oscar winner. And I think it just transformed the whole night into this long lecture, frankly. And I I just think that's inappropriate, frankly. Right. I, I definitely agree that there was a lot of it. To be honest, I expected more, you know? So the fact that there was <laughs> this... Le- I, I really did. I thought that, like, everything... you know, I thought that, uh, you know, we were going to be shamed and even having the Oscars. And I thought he approached the idea of... You know, people said, like, I can't believe he's still going to host. And, you know, I mean, of course he should host because, as he said, you know, what's going to happen? Then Neil Patrick Harris is going to be here. And this wasn't his point. But my point is that those Oscars last year that Neil Patrick Harris hosted were probably the most boring that I actually watched (laughs) beginning to end. It's the most boring way I remember choosing to spend three hours. Obviously, Mm -hmm. I can think of time spent in school, you know, having to spend too long in church, things like that. But that show... It, you know, it came up on my, you know, Facebook does like memories from a year ago. So last weekend they started coming through and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, that Oscar. There was, you know, there was the briefcase in the box throughout the whole wow. thing. And I, and I, I like shuddered like like you did when I reminded you of it, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, no, no, that was really bad. So I liked the the comedy 
was actually funny, at least up top. You know, there were some mm-hmm. great jokes. I especially liked that, you know, he wasn't afraid to kind of make fun of some of the people who were boycotting, specifically the line about uh, Jada skipping the Oscars is uh, Jada boycotting the Oscars is like me boycotting Rihanna's panties. Right. And I was just like, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I wasn't invited anyway. So uh, I don't know. I thought uh, I thought that there was some good stuff like that. Uh, obviously, I'm sure you're going to find plenty of people as you look through the Internet and, and just around conversationally that are going to feel like he should have done more. But he was in a tough spot. And I, I think he did at least a decent job. And, you know, there I felt like I laughed a lot during the, the opening sequence, the opening monologue. The, the monologue was interesting because it kind of veered from the hard right to the hard left. He, he joked about cops shooting innocent black people. Sure. And then he kind of mentioned, you know, back 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, there were protests about real issues, not Oscars so white. I mean, I think that that joke kind of puts things in perspective, that it doesn't diminish the issue, but it does also sort of say what we're dealing with in 2016. Although, you know, I, I will say that, I mentioned that there was no real fat in, in the show, just the usual fat, but that bit about the Girl Scouts and Chris Rock bringing out his, his kids, it was just painfully unfunny. And I, I thought he was building towards something. Maybe they were going to give the money to charity or maybe yeah. there was nope. like one big laugh coming out of it. <laughs> right. It was nothing. I mean, you know, when he started the jokes about, oh, you know, actually, it's kind of cool. Like, this is Chris Rock. He's a millionaire. He's a big comedian. But he's also a dad who has to stay. He's probably working around the clock to prepare for the show. He's missing his kids. Like I thought it was a sweet little aside. Then he turned it into like this whole big thing, which was just a complete waste of time. Yeah, no, no, I definitely agree uh, that, you know, it's funny because um, my wife and her sister both thought it was funny. And I thought it was cute at first, but not only did it go on, you know, maybe a little bit longer than it should have. We got the call back and uh, I don't even know if they really raised $65,000. They probably <laughs> did. But if they didn't, then it's great that they put this huge number up there just to, you know. Yeah. But yeah, and it was something, you know, it's, I, I got a text from a friend that that seemed to be the only thing that he liked. But I agree that it's the it's those kind of things. It reminded me of the year that Ellen hosted where she took the selfie and yeah. she ordered a pizza. You know, the selfie was really talked about a lot and that selfie got retweeted. But that was that was a show that was just filled with stuff that wasted time and there was no payoff. You know, that show that Ellen hosted, I remember that, you know, the way I summed it up at that time was, you know, Ellen did a great job for dress rehearsal. I'm sure she'll bring her A game for the live show because she just was just like, oh, yeah, no, uh, you know, I'll get this. You know, I don't have to worry about it. And uh, I think that. Chris Rock, I liked that he was a little nervous. You know, he does this. He trips over his words a little bit, you know, but he he can still get his point out there. Uh, I think he was really pumped up for it. It seemed like it. And, you know, there were things that were definitely too long, but I liked that he went to the theater in Compton and, you know, was talking to people about the nominees and there was the lady who said, oh, come on, I go to the movies all the time. I've never heard of any of these. You're making these up, aren't you? And I was like, well, yeah, that. so that's kind of a point. Not so much about you know about black and white even it's just typically these movies that get nominated are not the movies that most people see well you know i get that is as a bit and i think it was on point but i don't know why you're running it on the oscars i mean this is the night of the year yeah to celebrate these films and here you are basically making fun of these films hey guys in this crowd you may think you're hot stuff but no one's seen your movies and which is actually funny because this is a year where people have seen the movies. The Martian was a big hit. The yeah. Revenant was a big hit. And some of the other films actually made some cash. So Right. And the movie that I don't think should have been nominated for Best Picture, Mad Max. A lot of people saw Mad Max. And yeah. I did like that a movie like Mad Max got nominated because I think that that kind of sets a precedent. I don't think that it was a movie that deserved to be Best Picture. The awards that it did win, all those technical awards, I'm like, sure, it should definitely win Best mm-hmm you know, best uh, costume and visual effects and, you know, various, I can't remember what it won, you know, editing and all that stuff. That's all stuff that it should have won because it did that stuff perfectly, but it wasn't a best picture, you know? And uh, to me, I have the DVD of it sitting at home spotlight. I haven't seen it yet. And if I weren't here talking with you right now, I would probably be doing what I usually do with my wife almost every year. A movie wins best picture 
We haven't watched it yet. So we look at each other because, you know, on the West Coast, the Oscars usually ends like around 8.30. So you have enough time to watch a movie before you go to bed. And we usually watch the best picture for the first time because, like, all right, I guess I guess we should watch it. So we we would have watched it, but I don't know if I want to watch Spotlight right before bed because I'm sure it's great and I'm sure it does a good job. But then I'm just like, now I'm just too depressed at the end of the weekend, you know? Yeah, it's not a, it's not a feel good movie. It is a good film, and it's actually the film that I predicted would win best picture, just because it just felt Oscar-y. It just felt like that kind of film. It's kind of important. It talks about journalism. It talks about uh, the, the Catholic Church and, and what what was going on in, in Massachusetts. So it just felt like it kind of hit all those buttons to, to win, and it did. But uh, it certainly didn't sweep. I think it might have won a, a screenplay honor. But, uh, I mean, to me, The Revenant and uh, Mad Max seem to kind of control the night, or at least co-control. Yeah, no, no, I, I definitely agree. And, and we'll get into the specifics of the awards in a moment. Uh, one of the other things that I thought was – there was that scroll at the bottom that they showed where, you know, it was everyone that everybody was going to thank. I guess they thought that that would cut down on all the people that they thank. But, I mean, it didn't. And, you know, if I win an, if I win an Academy Award, I'm like, no, I'm going to take as much time as you'll let me and a few extra seconds. And then you can cut yeah. me off if you want to. But at the same time, I found it distracting. And, and I tweeted this. That if they're going to put a scroll at the bottom, they should at least put some NBA scores or maybe poll numbers for Super Tuesday. (laughs) You know, something useful. But uh, that's true. The weather weather around the country. Yeah, Al Roker was there. He could have, you know, popped up and given us the weather. But I I don't look. I understand all of that, and I think that the way that they try to rush people off, it's it's a little. It's I get why they do it because the damn thing's too long. It was too long anyway. But. I don't know. I don't know what they can do differently. You know, maybe well, they should I just the maybe bottom... they should just start taping the thing on Saturday night and then uh, and then edit it down to a to a tight two hours. You know, I I I don't like that ticker. I think the whole point of this is to have these sort of fun, spontaneous, once in a lifetime moment speeches. And some of them are boring, and some of them do get dragged down with the like to thank you know my my agent, my manager, my hairstylist. I get that, but also that's part of the fun and part of the what makes it kind of novel. So. I think kind of cutting that down is not a good move. I mean, if you really want to cut down on the time of it, I think you have to go to best documentary short subject. I mean, those are the films. You talk about the disconnect between the main categories. No one has seen those movies. And I don't, I don't dismiss the work that's being done, and some of those filmmakers are very talented. And as Louis C.K. pointed out in such a funny way, these guys ain't millionaires. These are guys who are doing it for the love of the craft. And yeah, the, the, this Oscar's going home in a Honda Civic, you know, <laughs> which I, which is great. Yeah, it was very funny. But you're right. It does point out the fact, you know, they have those ceremonies, you know, a week, the night before, a couple weeks earlier. Yeah. And the both documentary categories could go there. But if you want to give documentary feature, it's fine. Uh, animated short, that can certainly be off the television, you know, the television, the televised roster is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, you, you, know, take, you take away one or two of those awards, then you let the people speak for themselves, and there you go. And then uh, I'm sure there's other editing that can be done each year. There's got to be a way to tighten things up. Um, but yeah, I mean, as design, the show is boring. It just is. And every year they, they promise they're going to tweak it, they're going to change it, we've got a new mode, a new method, and every year the same problem persists. Now, what would make it better for me is some Hollywood glamour, some sort of old school excellence. I mean, I want to see De Niro up there. I want to see Dustin Hoffman, Denzel Washington, Meryl Streep. I mean, I want to see the people who matter and who have connected with audiences for decades. Yeah. You don't see those people. We get, we get Olivia Wilde and Sarah Silverman. You know who we needed? Jack. We needed yeah. Jack Nicholson, for God's sake. The biggest movie star on the planet. I wanted to see Jack. I didn't even realize I wanted to see Jack until you said that. You know, because yeah, I'm like, yeah, De Niro would be great, man. But, you know, you just, like, literally Jack comes out and you're like, this is going to be great, whatever he says. Yeah. And he doesn't even have to make a joke. It'll just be great to see Jack Nicholson. Or Pacino. Or just yeah. Just the classics. God, where, where is, where's Pacino been? I haven't seen him in forever now, you know? I think he's making eight films as we speak. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Actually, I think that was a Michael Caine joke one year. I don't know if it was the Oscars. I remember that he said that uh, his career must be slowing down because he was able to to accept an award. You know, he, he actually could go that night. Um, before we uh, – I keep teasing that we'll get into some of the nominees, but I remembered I wanted to talk about and, – and you actually retweeted an article that kind of explained this. For people that understood – 
the cameo by Stacy Dash, it was very funny. But most people, I think, didn't understand it. In fact, uh, my wife kind of knew who, why she was there, but she'd kind of forgotten what she said. And my sister-in-law was just like, why did the girl from Clueless come out? You know. Oh. So I think it's a great joke that you know fell a little flat in the room because I don't even know how many people in the room knew why that was funny. You know. But uh, talk a little bit about it. I feel like people who go to HollywoodandToto.com, people who listen to the Blackcast are probably going to be pretty well-versed in that. But there'll be a few people who click on this that maybe don't know. They're thinking right now, like, yeah, why was she there? Well, she is that rare um, female black conservative actress. And she often gets heat for being a female black conservative actress. And recently, with all the talk about Oscar so white, she said that she didn't feel the need to celebrate Black History Month. Just she felt it kind of it separates people in a sense rather than bringing us together. And that was uh, criticized pretty heavily in a lot of quarters. That's kind of the background. So that's where the joke connects. But I have to say, if I'm a writer on this show, even though I think that's a funny bit, you have to realize that that's sort of a, it's a niche joke. And that you're dealing with a, a, a show that's being broadcast, what did they say, 80 million people? Yeah, 80 million people, yeah. Now, you don't have to tell a joke that has to hit every person in the 80 million. But clearly that's a joke that is not going to hit the mainstream at all. So I don't know. I, I give them credit for doing it and the fact that they treated her humanely. I thought it was great. It was sort of a more inclusive thing. I think even BuzzFeed was like, what, what's going on? Like they were yeah. outraged by it. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I had mixed feelings. I'm, I'm glad they treated her with respect. But and. I'm I'm happy for her that she got the opportunity. Like, even if they made her pay to fly out, I uh, think she was probably like, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, sure, I'll fly out to be on the Oscars for five seconds. Yeah. No problem, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, like, yeah, it's one of those things that I think is is funny. I can see why people didn't get it. but And I guess some people the, – the problem will be tomorrow, later in the week, when people who didn't get it have it explained to them. And then they're like, oh, my God, why – Chris Rock, how could you do that? You know, and meanwhile, Chris Rock's there to tell jokes, you know, yeah. all the years, the eight years of the Dennis Miller show. He's like, you know, I, I'm I'm here to do a comedy show. You know, there's a lot of other stuff that happens. But at the end of the day, I want to make jokes, you know. So sometimes, you know, the ideology behind the jokes isn't what everybody wants to hear. But if you're able to just step back and think, hey, that was actually pretty funny, you know. Well, that's the problem we have in our culture now. Every, every joke has to be completely analyzed for its, its ideological content you know yeah. more importantly is it funny um but i so there's there's that kind of part. i will be very curious to see what sort of the media reaction to rock's performance was i, I suspect it'll be positive but every year the critics are very harsh on the host so it's possible that he that some like you said will say he didn't go far enough yeah, I'm actually trying to remember the last time that they liked the host. I know that John Stewart did it a number of years in the ro- in a row, and he's a wow. very talented comedian, and people like him. But I think even those years, they there were complaints. Uh, you know, the year that Billy Crystal came back, everybody was like, "Finally, Billy Crystal came back," and then everybody was like, "Oh, Billy Crystal shouldn't have come back." Which <laughs> I thought that one was fine. You know, I, it was yeah, it was yeah. like on par with his previous hosting duties. So what else are you going to get? Billy Crystal's going to do a Billy Crystal Oscars. Yeah. Not everybody liked the Seth MacFarlane one. I know I did because I thought it was funny. And any time that you can put William Shatner on television, I'm not going to have a problem with that. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about some of the awards, uh, some sure. of the uh, the films. Uh, the Revenant. And I think when you and I talked about this, uh, when Michael Housen was also here in this very same studio, we talked a little bit about this movie in the sense that I think in a lot of other years – it might have gotten a couple nominations maybe for Leo, but this was a little bit of a lean year, so it got nominated so much. And I thought it was a it was a fine movie. I thought it was a very serviceable job by Leo. I understand that he won, but as I said then, I was much more impressed by Tom Hardy because I forgot that Tom Hardy was in the movie. And I was like, who is this actor playing this character? And then I remembered. I'm like, well, this has to be Tom Hardy, you idiot. And I was just like, you know, very rarely... Let me put it a different way. Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio has never gotten lost in a role where I forgot that he's Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. So if you can pull that, and you know, obviously, I guess it's a, it's a little unfair because Tom Hardy isn't quite as recognizable as Leo. But to be able to do that is so much more impressive. And you know, I know he didn't win for uh, supporting. It was I. I remember that was the moment when you look at everybody and you're like, oh, watch it. It's going to be the guy that nobody knows who he is from uh, uh-huh. Bridge of Spies. What? By the way, have you seen Bridge of Spies? I did. I thought it was fine and solid. That's about as far as I go. 
Mark Rylance was terrific in it, so I don't begrudge him the best supporting. But I have to say, as a movie fan, I, I thought Sylvester Stallone was spectacular in Creed, and I'm quite shocked he didn't win. I'm disappointed he didn't win, but unfortunately... I was not shocked at all, you know, because of how many times I've seen award shows where someone who deserves to win doesn't. Uh, I would I wouldn't have been shocked if he won. I would have been ecstatic because it wasn't just because, oh, yeah, let's give him one. No, because he was great in Creed. You know, it's he he deserved it. It wasn't just, yeah, for all the years he didn't get one. You know, it was what did uh, John Wayne finally win for? Was it was it uh, true grit or no, it was. Ah, now I sound like an idiot. Whatever he won, like the you know, like the posthumous Oscar they gave him because of all the years they didn't give him one for Giant or something. I don't remember, but whatever it was, and somebody yeah. somebody's going to tweet at me and be like, "You idiot!" It was this. You know, <laughs> it wasn't one of those. You know, yeah. this would have been a great opportunity for Sylvester Stallone, but now he'll just have to up his game and the follow up to Creed. But we'll see. Well, if he funny, can... Someone, someone on Twitter said, "You know, this was his last chance at an Oscar," and I wrote back. If he goes back to generic action movies, yes, but if he pursues his craft and, and tries to find roles that are interesting and compelling, then no, he's a good actor. He just phones it in too much. Are you saying that he wouldn't be nominated for Expendables 4 or Tango and Cash 2? Because <laughs> I've been waiting for Tango and Cash 2 for like 25 years at this point. But yeah, I mean, that, that movie spoke to me on so many levels. I'm not happy to avoid it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so that's my thought on The Revenant, uh, that... You know, I'm not, I don't know, I guess it's impressive that you directed a movie out in the cold, but at the same time, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's it's just like, well, I, I don't know. You, that happens all the time, you know? So well, I think something you mentioned in passing, I think, speaks to the year. It was a lean year. Yeah. I think it really was. I mean, the best actor category wasn't as competitive as usual. Certainly the best picture category wasn't as, as tough, to, tough to kind of, oh, that one's a great movie, and this is a spectacular movie, and I can't imagine which one to pick. No, it was like Spotlight. Sort of was good, really good, but not 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 the kind of movie you'll, you'll remember in twenty years, frankly. Right? Yeah. No. No. Exactly. It's definitely not going to be one of those movies that people remember, and it might be one of those things that people look back on, like Crash or Shakespeare in Love. Like, wait, Ooh. the Bear movie? You know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I don't know. And uh, do you say his name Inaritu, or am I a little off on that? Because I, I, I'm. I I'm always, I'm, embarrassed. I'm always embarrassed. Double R with the rolling R's, though. Yeah, Inuritu. Yeah. Yeah, but I, but I don't think they've been using that. <laughs> I don't think they do either. Yeah, he's probably just like ah, I don't want to correct anybody because then right. they might not they vote for me. Uh, I thought that uh, you know Birdman was such a great accomplishment because it was so different. It, the way the camera kept moving, I was like, that was a masterfully directed movie. This wasn't poorly directed, but it's just like, did he win because? You know, the horse went over the cliff via blue screen, which we actually saw, you know, the behind the scenes composite shot. So I was like, is, was it stuff like that? I'm like, I, I don't even know why they felt like he needed to win. But And if you're going to award someone for unbelievably complex action, you give it to George Miller for Mad Max Fury Road, which I'm yeah. not a huge fan of, but I can certainly understand the complexity and, and how, you know, using practical effects over CGI and how he was masterful in that way. So. That's the achievement if you're going for that sort of artistic challenge, but they didn't, obviously. No, they they obviously didn't. And, you know, The Revenant is one of the few movies that I actually saw this year. Uh, I have a I have a few other uh, screeners that I didn't get to. I mean, I saw The the Big Short, and I saw Mad Max, um, and I saw Joy, which uh, I, I wish I hadn't, but I, I did. <laughs> um, and I think even Jennifer Lawrence knew she didn't deserve to win for that. Uh, so let's talk about Room for a second, a movie that I know I should see and I know is well done, but I know way too much about what it's about. And I'm just like, that's another one. I'm like, do I want to take time away from my seven month old son to watch a movie that's just going to be a bummer, you know? And, you know, it, it is more uplifting than you think, but there certainly are bummer, significant bummer elements to it. That you know, That's part of the... I guess the wrestling match with the Oscars go, because a lot of films, like to me, I felt that way about 12 Years a Slave. Before I saw it, I knew it was going to be good and it was going to be interesting and thought-provoking in a way. But as a, you know, what, I, what do I want to watch on Saturday night? Do I want to go there or do I want to go Mad Max Fury Road? And maybe that sounds anti-intellectual in nature, but, you know, it is a movie, it is entertainment, and it's supposed to be something that kind of diverts you. And I don't know, there's, that, I always, there's a movie for every occasion, but 
it's tough to kind of look at Room and say, that's the movie we want for our Friday night. Yeah, and that's not a movie that you're going to have people over. Like, okay, yeah, let's have a movie night. That's right. Because <laughs> I love your Appletini. Yeah. La- ladies who are listening, if someone invites you for a movie night and that's the movie, be afraid. Bring a couple of buddies and, you know, be, yeah. be ready to, you know, break down a front door so that uh, nothing like that happens to you. Um, but. I was I was excited for that little kid uh, from the movie because I, I hear that he's good and I know from the Golden Globes how much he likes Star Wars. So I liked that they had a cutaway when R two D two, C three PO, and BB eight were all on the stage because uh, he was just like it was great because they. I remember I think we talked about this uh, that when he talked about Star Wars, it's like oh so who are your favorite characters and of course it, it was. Um, Oscar Isaac's character and you know Poe Dameron because it's like oh yeah right that's his Star Wars movie you know the new one so he's like he has a favorite character from that movie and it's just it's funny so I don't know I I like cute little moments like that when they are getting the crowd reactions and it's a good one you know and it's not just somebody laughing extra hard Uh, I I agree that that was my favorite moments of the whole telecast it's those human moments that kind of just, which is why I like the whole let's give speeches and let them say what they want to say. Because sometimes when you keep talking, those moments emerge. And that's what makes it kind of special. Listen, I don't want 18,000 reaction shots of, of celebrities wincing and, and slash laughing at yeah. Chris Rock's joke about racism. It's, it's just, I mean, everyone was like kind of walking in eggshells and they were pained and it was awkward and uncomfortable and they're kind of laughing at themselves and trying to judge themselves. That's just, that's just bad. That's just, Poor television. No, I definitely so agree with that. Little kid is straining his neck to see C three. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I liked the the cutaways that were to Kevin Hart because obviously uh-huh. they knew that Chris Rock was making jokes, and uh, you yeah. know he he had a uh, he had a great. Uh, you know what he's 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 the black Michael Caine because he makes a movie a month. You know, just to tie <laughs> it together to that earlier. Although now, you know, somebody will isolate that quote and be like, well, he said that Kevin Hart's the black Michael Caine. <laughs> Being the black Michael Caine, by the way, that's going to be a great career. So nobody I should kill to be the black Michael yeah, Caine. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'd, I'd kill to be the uh, the Inuit, you know, the Eskimo Michael <laughs> Caine. That would be fantastic. Um, let's talk about some of the other winners. Uh, Alicia Vikander, Best Supporting Actress. And she also, I don't know if you know this, but she also won Best Oompa Loompa Spray Tan. I could not believe how tan she had gotten for the awards. Look, I know people do it. They want to look their best. And I was like, uh-oh. It reminded me of the, uh, there was a Friends episode where uh, Ross goes in and gets a spray tan and he gets, uh, you know, like four times the amount he's supposed to get on his back. And I'm like, oh, I feel like she turned around a couple times when she was not supposed to. But uh that's of course me- go the full Donald Trump. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, it's true. She didn't go Trump. Oh, and we'll talk about Trump in a second, but I want to finish the thought on that. But she was uh I by all accounts, and again it's embarrassing when usually I've seen most of the movies, but I hear she was great. So do you feel like she deserved that? Yeah, you know, and this is one of those things where outside not I'll say outside influences, but other influences may have changed the vote or helped the vote because she was terrific and and uh, ex machina which is an excellent science fiction film from last year where she played an artificially intelligent robot. And it's a really compelling, eerie, mesmerizing performance. So now I just, uh, you know, I've, I've saw the Danish girl recently and she's quite good in it, but I think in a year where you deliver two spectacular performances, it can't help but up your chances. And I think that's part of the reason that, that she won. Um, she's a rising star. She's talented. She's interesting. And, uh, Despite her interesting skin color tonight, she's uh, she's one to watch. Yeah, I hear a lot about that movie uh, Ex Machina, and you know the fact that it won effects over Star Wars was kind of impressive. I'm like, all right, that's probably you know I've I've been told by a number of people that I should see it, and you know that's probably higher up on my list than some of these actually uh, Academy Award nominated films, you know, but. Again, it, that was that moment that I referred to earlier where even Jennifer Lawrence was like, oh, yeah, I didn't deserve to win you know, supporting <laughs> actress. Um, I thought that the – we talked about this when you were on the last time. I thought that the big short was, was good. It did some things well, but I don't know that it would have deserved you know, best picture or anything like that. It was like adapted screenplay. I'm like, you know what? Yes, because you took a – Michael Lewis, you know, the Moneyball guy, you took a book about, as as Adam McKay mentioned, you know, about – 
some esoteric economic downturn and you turned it into a movie that a lot of people saw and enjoyed and you somehow made it entertaining. That's impressive, you know? Yeah. And he won the screenplay Oscar for that. So he yeah. was awarded tonight. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I saw that, uh, that he won the, the uh, adapted screenplay. So I thought that, uh, that that was great. And yeah, the other award for spotlight was best original. Um, so I wanted to talk about the music nominations and I'll start with the, uh, that awful Sam Smith song from it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's the most mediocre bond film in ages and the worst bond song I can remember. I, I, I don't even remember. Like there was a Chris Cornell one that wasn't great, but this one was so bad. It was so boring. I'm like, is this, is this guy, is this supposed to be a song for a movie about a super spy or is it about a guy who kind of sleepwalks? Because if it's about sleepwalking, then Sam Smith did a great job. I uh, was stunned by this victory. Uh, you know, when that movie, when the Bond movie came out and the song came out, everyone almost in, in one united cry said, we hate the song. Yeah. This is not a good Bond song. I mean, it was universal. And the fact that it was up for best song was shocking. And then when the Lady Gaga's performance came on, it was it was pretty powerful when the, the victims of sexual abuse came Absolutely, on. Absolutely, yeah. Hand. It was a beautiful moment. It's like, if I had a, if I had $100,000 in front of me in cash, I would have pushed it onto the, the gambling desk and said, <laughs> put this on the Lady Gaga's yeah. winning best song. You would have been all in, yeah. All in, without a, without a hesitation. I would have put my, my lease, my, my mortgage on there. Yeah, the worst thing about that song is that it came on the heels of... Adele's Skyfall, which was a great Bond song. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know that they sort of, you know, took some elements from uh, Shirley Bassey and they, they did some stuff to it. But great. That's what we needed. And not this. I did yeah. like that he made, you know, so he made the point that because I remember Sir Ian McKellen talking about like, you know, they're talking about, you know, black people not being nominated, but nobody who's out has ever won. And he has. And I'm like, all right. There's a moment. So, and Chris Rock had a great line after that. He's like, I got no jokes after that. I don't want to get in trouble. You know, <laughs> he's like, all the stuff that he said earlier is like, yeah, that's not going to get me in trouble. I say something here, I'm going to get in trouble. So, yeah. and by the way, I mean, with the whole diversity issue, what about Latinos? I mean, were they represented well? Within nominations, I guess you could say Alejandro. Yeah, I was going to I was going to say there's one, you know, it's a it's yeah. a big award. It's a great award, but he's it, you know. But if you look at the, the numbers, there's a report that came out earlier this week, because last week that showed just how bad the diversity issue is in Hollywood. And it's really it's something you cannot deny. And yeah. that, that applied to women behind the scenes, women in front of the scenes, uh, Hispanics. I mean, it, it, so we spent the whole night talking about. Black actors deserve, deserving more acclaim. Well, what about Latino actors deserving more acclaim? I mean, I, they're, a, they're a big part of the population as well, but that was not on the agenda, I guess. That was not on the agenda. No, exactly. And, you know, so maybe that'll be next year and then more, well, right. more Asians. You know, Jackie Chan's going to be upset that he doesn't have a uh-huh. lifetime Oscar. We'll see what happens. Uh, but to finish another thought on music, though, was very glad to see Ennio Morricone win for The Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, because as Quentin Tarantino pointed out at the Golden Globes, he hadn't won one, although I think I heard after the fact that he'd won one of those sort of like, I don't know, he didn't win this award before tonight. Okay. He, he had worn, he had won something, but this is still for, this is one where he had, that was a great score for Hateful Eight. I don't care what anybody thought of the movie. The score was great. It's another one of those ones where he deserved it, but he also deserves one for a whole body of work, you know? Yeah, it's a two for sure. I love this. I did not love the movie, but I love this score. It was outstanding. So uh, yeah, that's a great combination. It was very sweet. And I'm, <laughs> I don't think they played him off, but I was. it was one of those acceptance speeches where I thought, they better not play him off. That's, yeah. That's unacceptable. <laughs> funny. I had that same thought. I'm like, they're not going to, eh, you know. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Right, exactly. You never know. And uh, well, Someone on my, my Facebook page said, well, they didn't play Leonardo DiCaprio office when he gave that big speech. Like, well, it's the end of the night. It's, Leonardo it's, DiCaprio. it's the end of the night. You're exactly. already over. He's yeah. he's the movie star who won that night. You know, yeah. Clooney wasn't nominated for anything. Brad Pitt wasn't nominated <laughs> for anything. So let's yeah. go ahead and, and do that. Um, now, I pointed this out on Twitter and I think you uh, retweeted it. Uh, I thought that there was maybe a bit of conflict of interest 
having Buzz and Woody present the uh, animation award. And then, lo and behold, it goes to Pixar. I feel like there must have been some tampering there. What do you think? I a big Pixar is a real problem within the industry. So yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, you know it was writing. It was they were so bold and blatant about it too. That's what that's yeah. really kind of upset me the most. But we'll have to. Uh, well, maybe next year Oscars so digital. I don't know. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Oscars not animated enough or something. But uh, <laughs> uh, but that was one of those ones too where I was. You know, they went through all the nominees for animation, and then you're like, and the winner goes to. The only movie anyone's seen, Inside Out. You know, there were a couple animated movies that I was surprised, especially the Peanuts movie. I was very surprised that wasn't nominated, but uh, it was very sweet. Yeah. I will say, An- Anomalisa was one of the ones that was up for best animated film. It's a really weird, quirky, but interesting. Well, t- film. Tell me a little bit about it. I, I don't know anything. You know, that's I. I definitely don't know the 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 more obscure animated references uh, nominations. One, it, it's the the story sounds extremely basic, and it is. It's about a a middle-aged guy who's going to a, um, I forget the city, it's like a medium-sized city, to give a presentation for a business speech. And while he's at the hotel, he strikes up a conversation with these two women. One is about his age, one is much younger, and he basically has sort of a relationship or a crush on the younger person. And that's like a very boring, bland look at a story. And it is, because that's not much happening but A, the film is told in, with these puppets, like stop-motion animation, which is really remarkable. And two, it says a lot about sort of that middle-aged malaise, that uh, affair. I mean, it kind of touches on a lot of interesting, subtle emotions. And I think it does it in a beautiful way. So yeah. if you're looking for something a little bit more, I guess, challenging, I would try Anomalisa. It's very, it's very good. Yeah, no, no, that... Uh... You know, that style of animation always looks a little creepy to me, but sometimes that works, you know, for what the movie is, uh-huh. you know. Uh, Here's the thing about Anomalisa. For the first 10 minutes, I thought, this is creepy and weird, and I don't want to watch it. And then it's almost like a, a switch is thrown. I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's beautiful. And that, that's exactly the impact it has. Wow. So, All right. Well, see, that's good. See, now, again, I'll probably put that up some of the uh, above some of the more depressing ones that I didn't get to see. Uh, when we were talking about some of the comedy, by the way, uh, I forgot because I'm I'm actually scrolling through our, our Twitter conversation uh, from earlier. Now I'm reminded that uh, Andy Serkis came on and he had a, the Donald Trump joke, and you said who had the who had 85 minutes and the first Donald Trump joke uh, in the pool, and I said I had 85 seconds, so uh, I lost. But 85 minutes that was a long time. 85 minutes, you know, I was very surprised that we didn't get that. Because, you know, look, I mean, it's I guess it's really low hanging fruit. In fact, it's fruit that already fell off the tree and has been walked all over and mashed into the ground. And I guess they left it to Andy Serkis, who, believe it or not, that wasn't actually Andy Serkis. Backstage, Tom Cruise was in a motion capture suit. So it looked like Andy Serkis. And that'll tell you how talented Tom Cruise is. He is really good. He's really, really good. Yeah. You know, I would agree with you on the low hanging fruit joke, except for Chris Rock at one point when they returned from commercials, said, we're black. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that's, we thought a low-hanging fruit. That, that, that was pretty point. low-hanging. Um, when we, uh, you know, we referenced the moment when C-3PO, R2-D2, and uh, BB-8 were on stage, and I had a, a very brief exchange with someone on Twitter because uh, I, I, like, freaked out. I'm like, wait a minute. Where does this occur in the Star Wars chronology? C-3PO doesn't have the red arm from Episode 7. What does this mean? JJ, tell me. And then somebody writes back, well, he had the red arm in the movie. I'm like, yeah, exactly. That was the point. Dennis Miller used to talk about, Larry Miller used to do a thing, a little bit that was called Comedy Deprogrammer, where you'd take somebody's joke and you'd isolate every part of it and boil it down and just take all the funny out of it. And I was like, all right, come on. But uh, I have to admit, that was the moment, you know, I wasn't as excited as the kid from Room, but I was pretty excited because, uh, you know, I remember a Muppet show that Mark Hamill, R2-D2, and C-3PO hosted, and that was just like, wait, I get to see them on TV, you know, and I don't have to go to the movie theater to see them. Uh, that kid would never understand why that was such a big deal. But, you know, <laughs> people people in, in my age range and your age range, people who used to watch them play picks on Channel 11 in New York, which is a callback to an earlier episode for people who are like, what the hell is he talking about? Anyway, um, so let's uh, talk a little bit more about uh, a few of these other uh, a few of these other awards. Uh, Leo, we talked a little bit about that. Um, 
I don't know. The speech isn't really surprising, is it? You know, I mean, you kind of I feel like you and I, if we had some time, we could have probably written Leo's speech beforehand. <laughs> well, he wrote it on his, on his yacht. So it's, you know, <laughs> it was already yeah. prepared and he knew what he was doing. So, yeah, you know, it was funny. He was giving the speech and I as I was live blogging, I, I tried to write a little bit ahead of time. And I wrote, oh, that's very funny. Dreading, <laughs> and then and then I'm I'm watching him give his speech. I'm like, oh, actually, this is quite beautiful. You know, he's giving a, a shout out to when he was just starting out his career and and the people who mentored him along the way. And then of course he put the brakes on and broke out the speech. And that, there you go. Yeah, right, exactly. And if anybody wants to read through some of your tweets, your Twitter is also at Hollywood and Toto. And we're talking to Christian Toto of HollywoodandToto.com. and I uh, I liked some of the speeches. You know, there's people you felt good for. Like we talked about yeah. Brie Larson. Didn't see the movie, but I really liked her speech. It was a sweat. And she thanked the moviegoers. Yeah. How cool is that? I mean, that, that that's a real. Yeah. I Where would they all be them. without us? You know, they should yeah. thank us more often. <laughs> or just once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Every once in a while. Um, in terms of uh, presenters, always excited to see Ali G do anything. So uh, that was funny to me. More funny than the the movie he introduced was how he just stared at Olivia Wilde's chest the whole time. And then before they cut to the clip, he just said to her, you was well fed. And I was just like, all right, well, that was like totally lost by most people. But, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen, a guy who sure knows funny and knows how to kind of get a quick little one liner like that in there when no one's expecting him to talk, you know, because she just says, thank you. You know, so. (laughs) Uh, by the way, you haven't you haven't seen that new movie that he's in the the with him and his brother, the spy, have you? No, you know the Brothers Grimm is coming out in a couple of weeks, and yeah. I have to say there was an early review in either Variety or the Hollywood Reporter that was scathing, and it, it said it's about eighty two minutes, which is never a good. Oh sign. no, that is not a good sign. Yeah, I, I remember can't push the ninety minute mark. It's yeah, trouble, so. I I remember when that movie with the Rock called I think Walking Tall, where he carries like just a piece of lumber the whole movie. I might be exaggerating, but I want to say that that movie was either 67 or 72 minutes. It might be 72 minutes. And that's like, you know, old Disney movies were 72 minutes. But, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, something that comes out now, that, that should never happen. Uh, anyway, I know you didn't really like Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, the, the uh, Ali G thing. Maybe it felt dated to you, but I was more calling attention to the, the throwaway line that I think most people liked. I, oh. I But... I don't know what to think of that movie, so I was wondering if you'd seen the 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 Brothers Grimm or Grimsby or whatever it's called. Brothers, you great? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. With, uh, Which is it Mark? Yeah, it's a oh, it's it's a it's a great concept, but you know, yeah. look, as funny as Borat was, uh, Bruno was pretty brutal, and there was like a a British like Ali G movie that he made before that that I I didn't think was that well done, so. And the, the dictator was that was that his last film? Yeah, that was his last film. Yeah, so yeah. he he doesn't have an amazing track record. I was actually very disappointed that he dropped out of that movie where he was going to play Freddie Mercury. You know, just because oh, he looked kind of like brilliant casting. Yeah, I mean, he just looks so much like him. So so that would have been great. But uh, what do we know? He's one, those, what, he's one of those comic actors. I think if you give him a very demanding uh, dramatic role, I think he kills it. I just think he's got that in him. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah, I, I, that's a great point. I think that uh, if he gets one of those, you know, like, I feel like Man on the Moon was the first dramatic Jim Carrey role, and, you know, he was playing a comedian, so that was sort of a good first step. But, yeah, when you see somebody do one of those, you know, like, when you first saw Bill Murray do something that was a little bit, you know, that, that wasn't Meatballs or Ghostbusters, you know? Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, when somebody gets that opportunity, I feel like you're right. I feel like we could actually see something... Something from him, but uh, it's not that. Not him as Freddie yeah. Mercury. Um, that project's been kicking around for quite some time, so I, I suspect there's significant behind-the-scenes problems. That, that seems like a slam dunk, yeah. actually speaking. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. And and if they're not going to do it, just you know, unearth an old Queen concert you know, and put it on the big screen. I'll, I'll, I'll settle for that. Um, was there, uh, is there anything we haven't talked about awards wise or moments from the show that, uh, you'd like to call attention to? I don't, I don't want to, uh, skip anything. I don't want to be a rude host and not let you, uh, get to comment on anything. You know, I think we covered most of it, but I, I do, you know, listen, I'm, I'm 47. Maybe I've just watched too many Oscar shows, but I do <laughs> think that the night should celebrate the film itself. And I think at its best or at his best, Billy Crystal did that. He, he loved the movies. It, it meant the world to him. And I think as much as he would goof on the actors and 
make a, a song and dance shtick. It was all about sort of in service to the films that were in question and in service to, to Hollywood and its legacy. And I, I just think that was missing tonight. I think that's a real shame. Yeah, no, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. I, I think that there was a little bit of it, but we've definitely seen it more in, in recent years. And, you know, I was very critical of the year that Ellen hosted, but I do feel like that was one of those years where they did a pretty good job of that, just her shtick notwithstanding. So yeah. maybe we'll see that next year. But, uh, I mean, Chris Rock has already said that Kevin Hart's going to host, so uh, I guess I guess <laughs> done we'll done. we'll have to see what happens. Now, uh, on the next episode of the Blackcast, uh, it's going to be uh, some very in-depth reaction from me and the other guys to Deadpool. Uh, so for people who want to know what I think about Deadpool, uh, that's just going to be posted in a couple days. They'll get to hear it. But I know you wrote about it, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about it. It was a movie I was actually pretty excited about, and uh, I'll spoil the bit that I did enjoy at Big Surprise. Uh, what did you think about it, and what were your thoughts going in? Was it even a character you were particularly familiar with? You know, I was kind of a comic book geek when I was younger, and I kind of drifted away from them, although I've always loved comic books and the movies. So I wasn't plugged into the original character like I guess a lot of other people were. So I approached it as, hey, this is a new kind of superhero movie. What can they do for me? And I thought it was terrific. I mean, I don't think the story was particularly strong, but I think it was extraordinarily clever. It had a great energy. The action sequences felt dynamic and powerful and different than things I've seen before. And if you, when you watch the movie, the first, I put this in my review, the, the jokes start hitting you in the five second mark. I mean, they're, they're mocking the standard opening credit sequence. Yeah. In a very I, funny I, way. I, I, yeah, I love that, that it didn't have the names of any of the people, you know. Uh, yeah. it, it just, uh, <laughs> just made fun of everyone, including, including Ryan Reynolds, who seemed to have a great sense of humor about himself, about yeah. some of his past films, specifically Green Lantern. And, yeah, I think that they did a great job, you know, making an R-rated because you don't get a lot of R-rated action movies anymore, and you really don't get R-rated superhero movies. You know, I think that, and again, he's not a superhero, but he's a superpowered guy. Movies yeah. like The Punisher and those have all been made with mixed results. You know, all the Punisher movies that they've done, those kind of lend themselves to being R-rated because it's a you know, it's a guy who solves problems by shooting everything in sight. So that probably shouldn't be PG-13, you know. But, Absolutely. Uh, for, you know, obviously all your Disney Marvel movies, those are going to continue to be PG-13 or PG even. And I think that because this was a Fox property, they were like, well, we know that this is going to work R-rated. It's not like it wouldn't have worked PG-13, but it made it something different. I think non-comic book fans got the word of mouth, like, no, this is really funny, and yeah. it's really violent, you know, and, you know, it's not for, it's not for anybody, you know, don't, don't bring the kids to it, but besides from, you know, apart from that, I think that uh, they did a great job, and um, I'm, um, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him, it made so much money that uh, not only are we going to get a Deadpool 2, I, I wonder if they're, very quickly trying to find a way to stick him into uh, X-Men Apocalypse that'll be out later in the year, you know, just to... I, just to, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah. I, you know, I have to say, thinking about the, the way it was handled, this is a movie that Ryan Reynolds, whose career has sort of been, I don't want to say flatlining, but it sort of started with a bang and in the last maybe five or ten years. It just hasn't quite ignited the way you thought it would. You know, a handsome guy, he's charming, he's interesting. And he really almost single-handedly pursued this project. I mean, he took it upon himself to make sure that the story was told right. He's been just violently active on social media, promoting it, using sort of the snarky, off-the-wall persona in his sort of personal social feed. I mean, it, it's a, it's maybe it's the way modern movies are made, the way, the, the way that modern actors need to kind of control a project, but he did everything right, and, and he really put his heart and soul into it, and you could tell it meant the world to him, and as a result, his career is completely back on track. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I felt like there was no way this movie was going to happen after the character Deadpool was introduced, played by Ryan Reynolds in the X-Men Origins Wolverine movie, which we have talked about extensively on the Blackcast about how much we don't like it. Uh, you know, you just figured like, well, that's never going to happen. And then he was Green Lantern and that didn't work. And you're like, okay, that's really not going to happen. But, uh, you know, I would have expected a, another Green Lantern before the Deadpool movie. So, you know, what do I know? <laughs> yeah. I did a junket with him years ago. I think it was for the in-laws. 
he had a bit role, but he was very funny in person and charming and affable. And I kind of had the sense he was on, he was going to be kind of moving on to bigger and better things. But being a big movie star is extremely hard and picking the right projects and making sure they all work out to your, your satisfaction and the, the audience's satisfaction. It's brutal. I mean, I always point, Michael Keaton is the test case for a guy with tons of talent who, after his Batman success, just couldn't keep it going. He picked a bunch of movies that were mediocre. And all of a sudden, his career's in, if not in free fall, but kind of in limbo. It yeah. happens to everybody. Yeah, no, I mean, that's why I think, you know, Birdman worked on multiple levels because you're like, wait a minute, is this is this the Michael Keaton story that we're watching? You know, where they've taken <laughs> yeah. some liberties. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, look, Ryan Reynolds is a guy to – you can – be very happy for him. I don't know that I'd ever feel bad for him because he's been married to two of the most beautiful women on earth. So that's all right. But you know, remember he started his career as one of the guys on two girls, two guys, a girl in a pizza place, you know? So he, he was sharing top billing with a pizza place. So he's really come a long way since then. Uh, we've had our first huge colossal failure of 2016, Gods of Egypt. Now, you said that it belongs in the Guilty Pleasure Hall of Fame. So is that just not going to be for enough people? That's why it didn't make any money? Do you try and separate what you liked about it from why people didn't go and see it? Well, I think I think this movie is maybe the death knell for CGI effects. Now, of course, we're going to keep seeing CGI effects. They're part of the, the movie maker's toolkit. But to me, this movie and the Vin Diesel movie, the Witch Hunter movie, when you see the trailer, it is all CGI. It's all digital swirling effects. And I think we are utterly burnt out on it. And I think that, that movie tanked, and this movie is tanking. Now, having seen Gods of Egypt, I have to say, it's the kind of movie that never takes itself too seriously. And I like that about any kind of film. No, I and do I like it, that, too, because too many movies take themselves way too seriously. And obviously yeah. some deserve it. But this is not the kind of movie that should no. take itself too seriously. Yeah. It's never dull. It's pretty to look at. It's got lots of stuff going on. It's got some kind of interesting action scenes. The actors are committed to the nonsense. And listen, I'm not giving it a rave. It's not a, it's not a good movie. But I compare it to, like, The Beastmaster from my childhood. It's just like... It's Starring Mark lighting. Singer? I love The Beastmaster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. <laughs> but then, and maybe this will, it will age as gracefully as that film. But it just... Listen, when the movie comes out like this, it's, it, it's cost a zillion dollars. And because it costs a million dollars, it has to make that back. And when it doesn't, it's going to be labeled a bomb, and it's going to be a dud. And that's what's happening here. I think if this was had a lower expectations, it would kind of sneak away to find itself its niche. But it, it's not going to do that. So that's that. I think that's that's its fate, frankly. And, and the the, the, uh, the epilogue here is the director Alex Proyas wrote a scathing article on Facebook, slamming critics for their group thing and for taking down his movie and that they all think and act alike and how dare they. So he's not taking the, <laughs> the film's drubbing lightly, to say the least. Yeah, uh, you know, I, look, I know that that stuff happens, but there's always a chance, filmmakers, that you've made a bad movie or a movie that falls yeah. flat from what you tried to do. So, yeah. you know, but that, <laughs> that yeah, that, that never helps your cause when, when you go and do that. Uh, and uh, take a minute to talk about a completely different movie at the other end of the spectrum, which I know you liked, even though it's it, very formulaic. Uh, Eddie the Eagle, uh, who I think some people might not even remember the story. But uh, talk a little bit about the movie, who's in it, and the actual real-life story that it's based on. Yep, it's based on the 1988 Olympic Games in Calgary. There was a British entrant, and his name was Eddie. The nickname Eddie the Eagle is Michael Edwards, was his real name. And uh, he was not very good. He was in the ski jump division, but he was not, he wasn't in any threat to like win the gold or the silver or the bronze. He was very, very lucky just to get in and to compete, but that's all he wanted to do. Uh, to believe the movie, and the movie does take a lot of creative license. He just was a guy who wanted to be an Olympian and wanted to be part of the Olympic experience. And he realized that because he was obviously incredibly brave and didn't mind hurting himself severely on the ski jump. If he did that, he could sort of compete for his native England. And that's the whole story. This is not a guy who's a winner. This is not a guy who's slick or smooth or charismatic. He's just a regular bloke who had a dream and pursued it. Uh, Hugh Jackman is the co-star here. He plays uh, the, um, Eddie's coach. It's actually a fictional character. There wasn't a coach like him. Karen Edgerton is Eddie. He's the guy who was in Kingsman. Really talented young actor who really transforms himself physically to uh, play the part. So, yeah. way to the core. Absolutely. But it's sweet, it's inspiring, it's funny at times, and it's charming. 
Uh, by the way, what did you think of that movie, Kingsman? I know that was last year, and I, I don't know that a lot of people saw it. I, I was very impressed and surprised. I mean, it was insanely violent, but mm-hmm. I, I'm okay with that when, you know, sort of like Deadpool was insanely violent. You know, yeah. I, I can be prepared for that. There's plenty of movies that I don't need that violence in, but I, I thought it worked, and it was way more entertaining than I thought it would be. What did you think of that film? I had mixed things, but I, I loved parts of it. I thought yeah. Colin Firth was outstanding in it. Um, and I thought some of the action sequences were just eye-poppingly good. I thought the tone was a bit weird. There's a scene mid-film that basically a slaughter in a church, which just seemed really... Oh, yeah. That, I, I do I, remember that, yeah. And I have to say, watching the movie, I, I, I had a hard time recovering from that scene. It just, not that I was offended, it just seemed off. And the rest of the movie had this sort of fun, slick, kind of a twist on the James Bond mood that really I thought was effective and fun. So... I think they're making a sequel. I, I liked it more than I didn't like it, but uh, yeah, I, I, it was interesting for sure. Yeah, I, I had no idea who that kid was who is the same guy from Eddie the Eagle. I'd never seen him in anything, and I, I thought it was like, all right, this kid can carry a movie. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's a good sign for him. Uh, as we look forward to uh, later in the month, uh, I'll, I'll ask you for a, a few movies that you know, you're either looking forward to or that you've already seen. But obviously the big movie is going to be Batman versus Superman. And, you know, it's one of those movies that you feel like there are so many people, and by people I mean internet trolls and, you know, (laughs) people who are, like, overly loyal to the success of the Marvel Universe who don't work for Disney and Disney doesn't care about them. They just feel like they need to see these Warner Brothers and DC movies do poorly that they've already anointed it as it's terrible, you know? Nobody's seen more than the trailers. Not nobody, but, you know, most people haven't. And it's been months and months, people saying, like, oh, it's going to be so terrible. Well, we'll finally get to find out. Uh, I know that me and the other guys on the podcast are all still optimistic and, and looking forward to it. And my theory is that it's been so long now that people are saying that it's going to be terrible, that it's kind of come back around now, and it's going to be okay to say that you think it's going to be great. Uh, I think that they're probably trying to put a little too much into one movie by having, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. Anytime Aquaman's involved, it's too many. But that's besides <laughs> the point. Um, what are, what are your, your feelings about this, having seen a lot of, you know, these kind of movies? And what are you hearing about the expectation for the movie? Well, I loved your interpretation of it because I think you've just accurately described how our culture works. We get excited about something, and then there's a backlash, and then we think it's going to stink. And then there's a sort of the back backlash where you think, oh, no, it's not going to stink. It's actually going to be pretty good. All that's, before the movie has hit the that, That's what happened with Star Wars. All of that yeah, happened it, with Star Wars, yeah. Yeah, you can, you can really trace it with, a, with an exacto knife and a pencil. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. uh, a couple of thoughts. One, I'm worried about it because I, 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 don't, I don't have full faith in director Zack Snyder. Two, yeah, jamming characters into a film is often the recipe for disaster. Three, Ben Affleck is no Christian Bale, period. Yeah. Four, I actually put a post um, just recently on Hollywood and Toto. Frank Grillo, who's playing one of the bad guys in the new Captain America movie, was at a convention over the weekend, and he talked about how he's seen the movie, and he called it Batman versus Stupid Man. <laughs> oh, that's the guy who's going to play Crossbones in Civil War, yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, I, Civil I, War is, is coming out on the day that Batman and Superman wanted to come out, and then uh, Marvel's like... Well, we're not moving. And DC was it for or Warner Brothers was like, oh, well, that's our day. We're going to. Yeah. OK, we're going to go ahead and move, which is, I think is very smart on their part, because, you know, Marvel's Absolutely, like, we, yeah. we don't have to move. Um, so that that's funny. See, I, I don't know. Part of me kind of likes that. Like, I like when athletes will antagonize people on the other team, you know, say that we know we're better. I don't know. Sometimes right. sometimes I think that stuff is healthy and kind of fun. But uh, I, I had not heard that. That's very interesting, actually. Yeah, I don't know if many other outlets are reporting. I have a, um, a contributor at Hollywood and Toto, and he he kind of hits a lot of the uh, different comic cons. So he sent it to me post uh, post haste, and I knew I wanted to get up on the site as quickly as possible. Yeah, but actually, it's funny because generally speaking, actors do not trash other actors, and actors do not trash other actors' projects. It's what it's why the Val, the Val Kilmer story is so fascinating because people don't mind saying that he's extremely hard to work with, but he's one of the few actors you can maybe point to maybe a Mickey Rourke or a Val Kilmer. Some people say that uh, Jeremy Pivens is a bit of a jerk off screen. This is you know just the stuff you hear. 
Yeah. For the vast majority of cases, oh, it was amazing to work with him. She was delightful. I learned so much. She was a very generous actress. Yeah. I, I wish her all the... That's what you get, which is fine. And I, I think I, there is a difference between the trash talk and sports, which is fun. And people in a very challenging uh, profession <laughs> like acting, yeah. where even the best of the best could have no career in, in five years if they make the wrong film choices. So I get the sort of supportive nature of it, but that was kind of odd. And it was funny because Frank Grillo even pulled a Trump. He's like, well, I'm just like Trump. I'm calling it like it is. <laughs> I, I, I almost wonder if sort of Trump's trash talking is going to bleed into other parts of our culture. So that could be another hangover from the you, media moguls, uh, you, uh, the real estate moguls, uh, Interesting. You mean pre- you mean President Elect Trump? Yes, I think that uh, it's <laughs> yeah. starting to seep in. Uh, yeah, no, no. Yeah, we, we'll start to see that. You know, we, yeah. children's shows will have a have a Trump effect. Well, uh, in our in our <laughs> final, Mr. Rogers is no longer with us. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh no, I I would hate to see that. But you know what? Sesame Street's on HBO now, so God only knows what we're going to see. Uh, in our final minutes here, uh, what are a couple movies that you are excited about, whether you've seen them or are about to see them, uh, just you know, in the weeks or months ahead? Just you know, nothing specific, even if it's just, I don't know much about it, I want to see it, but uh, just a couple movies to recommend that we keep our eyes out for. Well, 10 Cloverfield Lane is a movie coming out in a couple weeks yeah. that I had no idea existed until, I guess, maybe three or four weeks ago when that crazy trailer hit. That is a crazy trailer. I saw that before Deadpool, and it's it is a follow up to Cloverfield, right? Sort of, kind of. Okay. I, mean, I think I don't even think they're being. I think that either they don't know or they're kind of teasing it out. But this is one of those. Hey, I'm JJ Evans, and I can I can make a mystery project still. Ha ha! But the trailer works. It just makes you extraordinarily interested. John Goodman is one of my favorite actors. Yes, it's I a agree horror with that. Yeah. film. I think. I mean, they don't even know anything about it. It just. The trailer got me, and I'm excited. Yeah, for anybody who hasn't seen the trailer, go watch it. You know, it's yeah. basically in a bomb shelter, and you'll watch from there. And yeah, it it was definitely. I knew that it was coming. I didn't know that much about it, but that was a trailer where I'm like, I'm kind of intrigued now. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, we just mentioned before the uh, Captain America: The Civil War. I, I thought that the last Captain America film was brilliant. I thought it was a great action movie. I thought it would have some spy elements. I thought, you know, incorporating the different superheroes in a very uh, organic way worked completely. So I'm super excited about that. My inner 12-year-old can't wait. Yeah, no, I'm excited <laughs> about that, that they're telling that story, uh, even though it's a lot different than the comic book version. Uh, I am afraid, like I said about Batman Superman, you know, it'd be hypocritical if I didn't say, I hope that it doesn't feel like they cram too many characters into it. You yeah. know, because so like Black Panther's going to make his debut and obviously Iron Man's in it, you know, Falcon's in it. And, uh, you know, there's this, this is like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, the Disney Marvel premiere of Spider-Man. So yeah. it'll be interesting because I'm like, that's a lot for a movie. And Batman vs. Superman is going to be two and a half hours. I'm like, well, you better be two and a half hours. You have like half the Justice League in it. But yeah, this is like all the Avengers and then some. So I don't know how long that Civil War is going to be. I'm very excited about it, though. Yeah. Another one that looks interesting, which was going to come out last year in time for the Oscar season, was I Saw the Light, which is a Hank Williams biopic. Oh, so, I heard about I, that. Yeah. Who's who's in that? Oh, the name is escaping me. Okay, um, sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the but, spot, but, but yeah. No, okay. But that movie was, it seemed primed for Oscar season. It's a biopic. It's, you know, what a great tragic story. And then all of a sudden it gets bumped. And that's, I can't think that's a good sign, but we'll see. We'll see. Maybe um yeah, I mean well, that's that's that's, is, that's almost yeah that's almost never a good sign. Yeah. Oh, Tom Hiddleston, yeah, he's Hank Williams. Yeah. That's why I I knew that it was somebody. Yeah, and uh, Elizabeth Olsen. So you have Loki and the Scarlet Witch in the movie. What else do you need to know? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, yeah, that's one that uh, I remember being really intrigued by that because I I think I've seen Tom Hiddleston in one other thing where he didn't play Loki. And so I'd I'd like to see him in more stuff because he's so great as Loki. I like to think that he's a great, well-rounded actor, but I've seen nothing that proves that to me. So yeah, I, I suspect the same. So this, this yeah. definitely. So if he can pull off Hank Williams, that'll be great. But like you said, well, then why didn't it come out? You know, like yeah. There's a, there's always those movies that you're just like, wow, there's such a great cast. It sat on the shelf for five years? <laughs> Is that because it's so good? You know, like, what was that movie that Bradley Cooper was in with, I think, Renee Zellweger? You know the one I mean? That, like... Oh, was it 
Oh, it was oh. Case Thirty Nine or something. Yeah, I think. Case yeah. Thirty Nine. And it was like one of those ones where like this is this is. Pardon my French. This is dog shit. And then Bradley Cooper really took off, and they're like, "Well, we're going to put that dog shit in theaters and see what happens." But uh, yeah, so hopefully, uh, I saw the light is not that. But yeah, it'll be. A, oh boy, I just looked at the the release date. <laughs> Same day as Batman vs Superman. But you know what? Oh my. Good counter programming. You know, right. you, you can't go wrong there. Anyway, Christian, I've taken up enough of your time. I'm glad we got to talk Oscars, but uh, wanted to also spend a few extra minutes talking about movies that people actually saw. So uh, thank you for always being so generous with your time, both here and over for our pal Michael Housem over on his show, House Rules. So if people want to follow you on Twitter, it's at Hollywood in Toto, T O T O. And that's the same address for the website, is it not? That's it. You got it. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Absolutely. Always great to talk to you. We'll definitely talk to you soon. And we'll see all of you next time on the Blackcast.